welcome. This is the UC Santa Cruz News Roundup podcast, and we're back in black. We are both in black. We're basically both in black today. We're back in black. Today, um, we're going to go over a few news items from the past couple of weeks. We've been so busy doing other podcasts that we haven't been able to do the news roundup. I so know. I mean, it's, it's just that it's all piled up. I don't know what to talk about. There's I, so much. Yeah, I know. There's Flip so much point. news. And, like, I've missed everyone. I have. Yeah. I've missed keeping in touch with everyone. <laughs> and, uh, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're roaring back. I'm Gwen Jordanay, and I'm an editor for UC Santa Cruz News. I'm Dan White. I'm a writer for UC Santa Cruz News. All right. And we're going to talk about the recent news from UC Santa Cruz, all of which you can find at news.ucsc.edu. All right, so let's dive in. So, Dan, you and I have been spending a lot of time at Kresge College lately. This is so true, Gwen. I feel (laughs) like I am immersing myself in the architecture and history of Kresge. I know. I I think we're becoming the resident experts on Kresge, and that... That quirky, endearing little place. I feel like I'm kind of, it's my home away from home, really. I know. And the reason is we've put together a really substantial report on the upcoming Kresge College renewal. And we invite you to check out this super detailed, super rich package at reports.news.ucsc.edu slash Kresge. So go check it out. It is beautiful. It is um, just a pretty stunning um, presentation. And the reason we've produced this report is because we want to share the word of Kresge's upcoming renewal with the campus community, alumni, friends, donors, and the architectural community, since Kresge is a a significant um, architectural um, piece, and give them the chance to learn about the plans and provide feedback if they have any. Kresge has such distinctive architecture, as we know. It's it's so it's kind of like a stage set, almost. You mentioned one time, yes. Um, and it's known for experimental teaching and its really strong sense of community and independent spirit. But truth be told, the physical structures of the college have long been showing their age. It was built in 1973, so it's pretty, it's pretty vintage, you know. And and, and from what I understood, it was built to withstand 40 years. Yeah, I think we heard that somewhere along the line. So we're. You mentioned 73, so I'm doing the math, and we're 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 above past that 40 years. Yeah, and it was designed by architect Charles Moore of Moore, Linden, Turnbull, and Whitaker, who's also, as you may know, famous for being one of the architects of the Seat Ranch which is a famed community built with like attention to the natural landscape on the Sonoma County coast. Anyway, so hoping to reinvigorate the college, fix deficiencies and update it to its to, to current code, the project includes new construction, renovation and removal of some buildings. It will add about 200 new student beds and will also include new instructional facilities, academic offices, a student and faculty center, and new student support spaces, as well as better connectivity throughout the college, and uh, this is kind of important, between the college and the rest of the campus. 
very important because yeah. it is a bit of an outlier physically compared right. to some others. It's 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 out there. Yeah, I really have this intention to go there. Yeah, I think someone said yeah. one time it's almost a journey getting there. It, it is a, a, <laughs> a rather beautiful, yes, redwoody journey, a but fabulous a journey, journey, nevertheless. Never, and yeah, yeah, it's it's it could it could be more accessible, which this is certainly addressing. Yeah. So this is really cool. It'll be a great boost for Kresge and, honestly, for the whole campus. Check out the full report, which includes a story by Dan, photos, renderings of video, and podcasts. And it's at reports.news.ucsc.edu slash Kresge. All right, so now I have some super cool news for all you Hunter S. Thompson fans out there. McHenry Library is now the location of a collection of works by our favorite Gonzo journalist. The 800-volume collection was donated to Special Collections and Archives by Eric Schof, who is the author of Gonzology, an extensive bibliography of Thompson's work. Thompson, as you probably know, is best known for his 1971 book, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. And Dan, I swear, that opening scene of that book, it just, like, it has stuck with me forever since I read it, which is, like, two guys, high as kites, like, barreling through Barstow with their car packed with, like... Mass quantities of drugs. Do you know what I love about that opening? And I guess we'd take up too much of the listener's time if we just sat here and yeah, read the whole... Document, but yeah. the way it just takes you right into the center of just the craziness from the very first paragraph. Yeah, you're yeah, there. yeah, yeah. You are you completely are immersed. It was. It starts something like, you know, it was like we got to Barstow and the drugs started <laughs> setting in or something. This like. feeling that you've been dropped in the middle of the story <laughs> that you think to yourself, okay, wh- what are they doing there? And then how oh did they get God. to this point? It's, and it's, it's so well written yeah. and so specific and it's evocative. And insane. And, and insane. And insane. Yeah. Um, also, his uh, Thompson's cultural and political contributions to Rolling Stone magazine turned him into like this counterculture icon. The donor, Schof, has spent more than 30 years acquiring the materials in the collection, which will be made available to scholars and researchers. The collection includes first editions, translations, pirated copies of Thompson's books, (laughs) rare printed materials, and even a beer bottle that has a never-before-published short story printed on the label. That is so funny. I, I, you know, I went to a Jonathan Franzen reading yesterday where he had a reading that was printed on a Chipotle bag. <laughs> so this is not, I guess that's the precedent for that. That's a good idea. Drink a beer, read a story. Yeah. The collection opens a door for students and researchers interested in considering Thompson's place in 20th century writing and literary presentation. And Schof, interestingly, had no previous connection to the campus, but he thought UC Santa Cruz was young enough to accept the collection and to appreciate it for what it represents and how it dovetails with and augments the Grateful Dead archive. Thompson knew the dead. He lived in San Francisco and Big Sur in the 60s, and he also hung out with the Hells Angels, who became friendly with the dead. So, I don't know, do you think... Maybe Johnny Depp will come to the campus and check it out. He will, but he'll be unrecognizable, <laughs> dressed as a rabbit or one of his many manifestations. Yes. That's so, probably that's probably true. Or a, the Mad Hatter, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Of, I guess the rabbit would be the people. Yeah. yeah. Never mind. And that would that would yeah. just be normal. Yeah, people would be normal. like, oh, there's just another student. Just a bunny. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, next I've got some, uh, I've got news about some research on racial stereotypes and bias. 
Courtney Bonham is a social psychologist who joined the faculty this fall, and she studies racial stereotypes about physical space, including houses and neighborhoods. With experiments and surveys, Bonham has explored the assumptions people make about neighborhoods and schools that are either predominantly black or white, and she has uncovered racial bias in the way people perceive communities. Bonham's findings broaden our understanding of the psychological processes of stereotyping and the insidious ways racism operates in society. They reveal racially biased thought patterns that help that likely help determine property values and the desirability of entire neighborhoods and that shape land use decisions, such as where schools, parks, industrial facilities, transportation corridors, and other infrastructure are placed. Because of decisions on where to locate these things, the health, safety, and well-being of residents of predominantly minority neighborhoods may be at stake. Bonham hopes that greater awareness of racial bias and stereotyping towards spaces will lead to change and greater equity. And this is the kind of research UC Santa Cruz is doing that's making a difference and making change. So it's so great to hear about it. Very worthwhile. I hope it is influential in a good way. Yeah. I hope it gets out there with a word about that. Exactly. All right, Dan, so what's on your news radar? Okay, well, talk about some steps to... uh, I almost said keep California great. Um, so <laughs> let's not keep, go there. Keep, yeah, let's, let's just not go there. Keep California healthy and yeah. fair and equitable. California okay. is a great big state. We're very yeah. powerful. We're a trendsetter for the rest of the nation. So yep. we have reason to be proud and boastful sometimes. We're the fifth largest economy in the world. Oh, my God. And yet we need to take a few steps, actually 12 recommended steps from a recent study, to secure our economic future. That's the conclusion of a new report called From Resistance to Renewal, a 12-step program for innovation and inclusion in the California economy, which highlights a pressing problem here in the Golden State, namely the jarring division between the haves and the have-nots. Yeah. So we're doing very well in many respects, but there's still that gap, that unfairness. And here are a few sobering figures before I get to the steps. All right. The Golden State ranks fourth among U.S. states in terms of income inequality. Hmm. Real median wages have flatlined since 1980. That is in spite of soaring worker productivity, hmm. The ratio of black to white household income is lower today than it was in the early 90s. And the ratio of Latino to white household income has barely bulged, or I should say budged. Uh, In the report co-authored by Chris Benner, professor of sociology and environmental studies and director of the Santa Cruz Institute for Social Transformation at UC Santa Cruz, and Manuel Prestor, professor of sociology and director of the Program for Environmental and Regional Equity at the University of Southern California. The authors argue that California needs an economic reboot that promotes innovation but also inclusion. Mm -hmm. And if we do this... Here's the thinking. Maybe California will be a trendsetter and we will cajole or pull or drag the rest of this country into following suit. Because Let's as you it. know, there's we've this... We've done it before. We've done it before with fashion and with mm-hmm. music. Environmental stuff. Envir- yeah, environmental stuff. We're the trendsetter for so many things from popular culture to social trends to... Yeah. So, which brings me to the 12-step program for the future, which seems really... 
pretty pretty uh, on the money. Promoting innovation, mm -hmm. addressing okay. changes relating to the aging of the population, right. empowering workers, encouraging yeah. lifelong learning, promoting financial security, supporting the inland areas okay. of California, ensuring the success of de-incarceration and re-entry for former prisoners, embracing and integrating immigrant California, increasing the supply of affordable housing, improving transit systems yeah. for people, but also for goods, taking action on climate change, yep. aligning fiscal and governance systems to build an inclusive economy. Okay, so... I'm hoping that the word gets out about this too. Um, these are, it's rooted in five important tenets of current economic thinking, starting with the understanding that today's levels of inequality are wrecking prosperity, yeah. that our fates are all tied. Okay, yeah. so from the future to the distant past, I'd like to talk uh, uh, <coughs> about uh, ancient Africa, where scientists have been exploring an age-old mystery, what exactly happened to the mega herbivores of Africa? I'm talking about the great big vegetarian beasts of the past that don't exist anymore. What did happen to them? I'm going to tell you. <laughs> I'm going to shine a light. A brand new study suggests or shows it was ecological <laughs> changes and not, as was previously <laughs> widely supposed, human hunting practices that doomed these massive vegetarians of yesteryear. Wow. Now, five million years ago... The Ethiopian savanna was quite different than it is today. It boasted three types of giraffe, two kinds of rhinos, one hippo, and four elephant-like species. Mm. But today's East African ecosystem is quite different than it was in the ancient times with communities having uh, fewer gigantic yeah. mammals. Wow, um, that's so interesting to think of all those different types of elephants and different giraffes and stuff. I wonder what they look like. I know. It makes me want to beam myself back, but like from a protective cage or something. Something <laughs> where no one's going to step on me or bite me. Yeah, or... yeah. That makes sense. Now, some scientists have argued that our hominid ancestors, including Homo erectus and their relatives, played a big role in driving these gigantic mammals into extinction in Africa several million years ago. But that explanation for what happened... Uh, to America, Africa's mega herbivores. And by the way, that designation applies to veggie-loving quitters that weigh in at more than 2,000 pounds. <laughs> if you could find a bathroom scale where they could fit on there and no, sit oh, still, yeah. right? Has remained largely untested until now. New research shows that there was indeed a steady decline of the mega herbivore diversity uh, starting 4.6 million years ago. But according to a team, including Paul Koch, distinguished professor of earth and planetary sciences, planetary sciences, rather, and dean of the Division of Physical and Biological Sciences at UC Santa Cruz, the demise of these large mammals was mainly due to grassland expansion on the continent that was likely tied to falling atmospheric mm -hmm. carbon dioxide. So the extinction of these uh, mega herbivores took place over the course of nearly 4.5 million years and predated major events in pre-human cultural development, like butchering animal carcasses with stone tools by some one million years, he said. So that's a really fascinating look yeah. into the past. Now, moving on to a wonderful uh, event on campus a few weeks back, J. Herman Blake, he's the visionary founding provost of Oaks College a at UC Santa Cruz. A very special person in UC Santa Cruz history. Yes, a very, very special person. Very influential to many people. Who is yeah. well-loved to this day yeah. at UC Santa Cruz. He was back on campus with his family, and he was back on campus because in recognition of his many contributions to the Oaks College culture. 
and the role that he's played in so many people's lives as a mentor and a professor, they renamed and rededicated the Oaks College Provost House to the J. Herman Blake Provost House. And there was a great speech by his daughter, Audrish Blake, Mm -hmm. about all the things that happened in the house. And she said, what happened in the Provost House was my father. And it was really moving. Mm -hmm. Anyhow, I had a chance to record all this for your listening pleasure. So if you'd like to hear the podcast of this event... I'd like you to go to news.ucse.edu and just check out the Story Cruise listings and find that there, yeah. and you will find it. Click on the Story Cruise icon and look for the J. Herman Blake podcast, and you will find it. Awesome. Yeah, I love that podcast, Dan. It was really great, really touching, and I hope that a lot of people go listen to it because it's really good. Well, I think they are going to now. Right? Yeah. Because what are they going to do when the, when our podcast is over? That's going to be the next logical well, I, thing Absolutely. To do. And, you know, exactly. that thousands and thousands of people listen to our podcast. So They do now. <laughs> yeah. I better All be right. very careful what I say on this podcast. I know. Don't we? Yeah. All right. Well, rock on, J. Herman Blake. Awesome. All right. So I want to um, talk a little bit about an event that's coming up. <clears throat> it is the Global Game Jam, and it's returning in January, so coming right up, January 25 through 27, and this is going to be our third year hosting the UCSC location in the Digital Arts Research Center. So what this is, is an international week-long event where, or sorry, weekend, a weekend-long event where people at different sites around the world build games, digital or analog, from scratch in 48 hours, all based on the same theme. It usually attracts more than 100 students over the course of the weekend. There aren't any prizes or competitions, so it generally encourages lots of fun and creativity and wild ideas. Very cool. So um, check out globalgamejam.org for details. Looks like Sounds quite a thing. pretty awesome. Yeah, it's going to be intense. A lot yeah. of coffee. A lot, of, a lot of coffee and probably other like uh, Red Bulls and things like that. Yeah, p- pastries <laughs> and things. Yes, <laughs> straight sugar maybe. All right, so I think that is it for this for this uh, time. Happy December, and I do want to say as we head into the holiday season, we want to send light and love to our fellow Californians who were affected by the recent fires, and we're keeping you in our thoughts. And we look forward to seeing you all next time. Absolutely. All right. Take care.